Welcome back to the finale of Colossal here on Playing With Myself on the Internet. With the help of their new friend, the Bastion Null, Marco, Berger, and Alice in their astrolithic rook have made their way through the crackways within the wall that abuts the room that is a massive ocean. After following these caves through, they find another trapped ancient massive rook and a staircase built around it with one of the familiar glyphs and symbols present on Marco's familial map. Refusing to let another opportunity like this pass him by, Marco and the crew make their way up these stairs and emerge into a tundrum, another incredibly inhospitable environment within the Colossal. Luckily, with the Astrolithic Rook, travel is relatively safe and easy. However, the Tundrum is a difficult place to live, and the adaptations that the people here have made, as well as the Rooks, become apparent. During their travels, our crew encountered not only the usual Rooks that wander these rooms, but an Ice Rook, an absolutely massive frozen Rook that uses ice magic and lumbers around the tundra like an ice giant. They also encountered a rook knot. The tribes of the tundra repurpose husks of rooks and create these incredible maneuverable vehicles that they use to traverse the tundra looking for pieces and food and things like that. And unfortunately for our crew, we managed to get ambushed by the ice rook and interrupt one of these hunting parties by one of these tribal crews. However, luckily with the strength of the Astrolithic Rook on our side and the Rook Knot not fighting us immediately, we did manage to drive off the Ice Rook and defeat the medium-sized Rook so that this crew could get what they came for. And because we showed faith and helped them defeat their quarry, they gave us Unfortunately, no information, but enough that we could go off of. And in an area of the Tundrum that the tribes all know is off-limits, Marco, Berger, Alice, and Null found a mountain reaching to the skies, but before it reaches there, it leans against the edge of another wall. Just above the apex of the mountain was another glyph present on Marco's familial map, and almost as if perfectly carved into this wall, a square-shaped recess with a door at the far end, frozen open, with no handle, just a hole in the middle that could only have been opened, or more importantly, locked and kept closed by a very special type of key. As this door was opened, it was clear that people had been in here, probably a long time ago, but regardless, Marco, Berger, Alice, and Null found themselves in an old Rook factory, a production facility creating Rooks. We've theorized multiple times over the course of this series what these symbols on Marco's map mean, what they could be. We dealt with cultists who were in the rafters and nomads up on the battlements, thinking that maybe these were locations where humans could ascend and exit the Colossal into the battlements above, the mythical place that is rumored to be heaven for hunters when they pass. We went there, and we did not find heaven. 
So what could these mean? Then we realized, maybe, these are locations where things are meant to be kept away. And finding this production facility certainly makes Marco feel like... Either... We created the problems we now face, or we created these to protect us from something even more dangerous. Regardless, rooks are now one of the biggest threats to humanity in the Roomlands and the Colossal. And if someone, for example the smugglers, outside of Rust Gorge, in the scorching desert and canyonlands, have access to a place like this, that's not good. Feeling it's his responsibility, as his family has passed down this map and key for generations, and having it had slipped by earlier in the adventure, when they were so close to this plateau, only to be scooped up and pulled away to the rafters by a gargoyle, Marco is determined to visit these locations. Unfortunately, there was no information in this particular facility, but while the intention may be to close them up and lock the doors behind them, there may be information that could change the world in an even better way. But we're only going to find that out through playing. After leaving disappointed from this production facility in the Tundrum, we see a short montage of our protagonists as they take whatever notes and useful machine parts or interesting things that they can, and through elbow grease and a little bit of magic, manage to chip away the ice that is frozen along the door and pull it closed. And there's a moment where Marco's unsure whether or not his key will even work. He hesitates at the door before inserting his familial key and finding that it fits perfectly. He turns it and locks this door away, returning to their astrolithic rook and flying off across the tundra once again. I'm not going to flip cards for another exploration phase in the tundra. I think that from this vantage point above this mountain that we flew up, this forbidden area to the tribes of the tundra, we can travel relatively safely especially given the flight of our astrolithic rook. But the question becomes, do we return to the crackways where Null will be able to guide us to wherever it is we're trying to go, which in this particular instance is definitely going to be back to the canyonlands where Marco was so close the first time to stop this smuggling ring and help the Hunter's Guild there, and Yolaris if he is still there, from whatever is going on in this very dangerous facility. So let's ask the Oracle. We'll, we'll flip one card. Does Null recommend going back into the Crackways, because from there he can easily guide us, or do we fly by the seat of our pants, pun intended, and see what the next room is? So basically, I'll flip and say, do we go back to the crackways? And if it's yes, we'll do an exploration phase in the crackways. If it's no, I'll flip a card to see what the next room over biome is, and we'll see if we can go from there. It is a black queen, 
which is a yes with a bonus. So I think that that simply means null recommends we return to the crackways. And not only that, we're not far from the desert. All right, well, there we go. We will do one exploration phase in the crackways, emerge in the room that we are familiar with. Maybe we'll have to do an exploration phase to get back to that plateau. And then we will confront these smugglers who have somehow gotten into these locked away rooms that potentially hold secrets of the beginning or pivotal information about the past and the development of the people of the Roomlands and the Colossal. So let's flip for some cards in a Crackways exploration phase. Flipping our five cards, uh, we do still have one wound from last session in the fight with all of the Rooks and Rooknot in the Tundrum, so we're going to have five exploration, five combat until probably the end of the series. So here we go, five cards. King of Spades, Ten of Spades, Eight of Hearts, Jack of Diamonds, Six of Clubs. We probably know most of these at this point, but let's go ahead and go from lowest to highest. Our Black Six card says, Another adventurer lost in the crackways. They seem to be like you, traveling through the crackway, but who are they, where are they going, and what are they like? So we'll make it NPC for that. We have a Red Eight, which says, Trapped Rook. You come across an agitated rook trapped in a large cavern, massive sized. We've talked about this. Null knows about this. I think they're tied to these waypoints that we regularly find down here. So we can maybe have a scene with Null about it. We'll see what this NPC is like. We have our Black Ten. So a lost weapon that has been abandoned by an adventurer. Powerful weapon. We'll flip for that. And then we have our two face cards, which for exploration phases in the crackways have to do with general effects across the entire series of that crackway. So we have a jack and a king. So it says, Jack says, maintained by guards who you meet throughout. If you meet bandits, the guards might be able to help. And then the king says, this crackway was once a city. Many halls and corridors snake off from the main route through. Oh, interesting. Because we've been in a crackway both going into the tundra room, and we've been in one's that got us to the Canyonlands. But maybe this is a separate set. So maybe this was, maybe instead of once being a city, this is one of those cities where bastions have come because there's safety here. Or there are remnants of a city that was in this crackway and they are simply using it now. Very cool. All right, so we got an NPC, a weapon. We've got a trapped rook, guards patrolling an area that was once a city within these crackways. I mean, luckily, we're not going to have an encounter, so that's good. No combat. So really, let's just flip to see who this NPC is, and then we can kind of fill in the rest from there. We're following Null, who knows their way around, and I think that they... Maybe they know this person. Let's flip. Oracle, yes or no, and then we'll build this NPC. It is a black two, which is a yes, but there's a complication. So maybe it's a yes, Null knows this NPC, but they're not on good terms with them. Hmm. So who is this NPC? We'll flip our three cards. We have a seven, a nine, and a king. So as always, we're going to mix and match these to make them as fun as possible. So to do that, we're going to use king for the name, which is going to be Miric. We're going to use nine for the look, which is cute and small. 
And then we're going to use seven for the characteristic, which is arrogant and overconfident. So we have a cute little... Ooh, you know what? Maybe it's a cute little bastion. And what does that mean, right? Because normally you think it's like a child or something like that. But maybe this will allow us to get a little bit of information about bastion society. And then cute and small, arrogant and overconfident. And we have Miric. So if it's Miric, but we need to talk about it in a bastion kind of naming thing, maybe we call her... Oh, let's call her Midi, which is near and dear to my heart, because when I started writing music, I used a MIDI-based tablature program that I wrote all of my music on before I knew how to write music. So we have Midi, a small bastion who is arrogant and overconfident, so therefore butts heads with Null, who we've met and seems to be relatively level-headed and logical. And yeah, maybe it's at one of these locations that our king would have been. So an area that used to be a city. And unfortunately, Null kind of says to us beforehand, we will be passing through a settlement of my kind. Please do not make a scene. And of course, when we get there, instead of any of us making a scene, you'd think it would be Alice. She's actually very awestruck and very interested in everything that's going on here. Obviously, Marco and Berger are in their element, just trying to absorb as much information as possible. This Ashalithic Rook is getting a lot of information from the other end of the spectrum, and it's kind of a big spectacle all around. Sure enough, if it draws a crowd, that is where Null is going to encounter their not-so-friendly, maybe frenemy, in Midi. And Midi approaches the group, and much smaller than the rest of these Bastions. Maybe she, instead of having legs that would give her this sort of slightly larger height of most bastions. She kind of just has two wheels that she's created, and so she has a shorter frame than most of them. But I think she comes up and she just kind of slaps Null on the shoulder, like you'd greet somebody, and he kind of hops one way to the side awkwardly, and we see that Mitty has these huge rook gauntlets on, which obviously she would not need as a bastion. So maybe this is the weapon that was left behind, is there's a weapon that you can trade for in settlements called rook gauntlets that allow you to do unarmed attacks with the power of a rook. And she says, oh, null for brains. I see you brought other humans into the crackways. Unfortunately, I found mine first. Look what we got off of him. And she flexes a fist with the rook gauntlets. Null shakes their head and says, I did not bring these humans because they caused trouble. I bring these humans because they bring hope. And she just kind of rolls her eyes, however that looks, for a bastion. And the crowd around here gets a little more interested. And without going into a speech, I think that the two of them have a conversation very publicly, very openly, where Midi probably is focused on Bastions continuing to develop their culture and work on deciphering whatever it is these massive rooks are trying to tell them with the writings that they've left on these monoliths and the language that they find scattered throughout these crackways. There's obviously 
a lot of work to be done, and a lot of really great things could come of this. But Null, while maybe they had a very similar in the recent past, now that they've met Marco Berger and Alice, Null sees the potential for assimilation into the larger culture of the Colossal. So let's go ahead and flip one card from the Oracle. I'm just going to say, does Null inspire a lot of these other Bastion that are nearby? Or does Midi manage to rouse them in a more convincing way? So black card will be, it goes to Null. Red card will be, it goes to Midi. And we flipped a black card, but it is low. So it's no with a complication. And I think that's simple. I think that basically this is just going to create splinter groups, right? This is going to create factions within the very young society of Bastions here in the Roomlands. I love that where this is a very me thread for a role-playing game. I like to do a lot of political intrigue and contention between forces within a society. I feel like that makes some of the greatest tension and everything like that. So leave it to me to do this in the very finale. But regardless, this could be a really great cliffhanger if we manage to do some interesting things. Anyway, let's wait till we get there. Regardless, Null makes an impression on this small settlement of bastions that are here between the Tundrum and the Canyonlands. And our group continues along their way. I think we're going to leave those Rook Gauntlets for Midi. That's fine. I don't mind. And we're going to follow Null as we emerge once again into the arid heat. We get that kind of sweltering mirage, the humidity on the horizon, just kind of creating these wavy lines and the oppressive heat that is so opposite from the Tundrum that they just came from. However, very similar in lifelessness like we talked about, inhospitable places seem to be where all of these glyphs on Marco's map have ended up. You know, just let's just go ahead and say it. I think maybe if we look at the other biomes of the Colossal, there's probably another one that is deep within a swamp area. Maybe another one is in the ocean somewhere. And then the fifth one could be in the jungles. So there we go. But more importantly, we are once again in the Canyonlands. Let's see if we can get there in one exploration phase. And then we will go into the plateau that holds, hopefully, information for Marco and hopefully people who we can stop from making this much, much worse. Here we go, we're going to flip our five cards for our exploration phase. And actually, it's kind of interesting, this is going to be the first exploration phase we've done using the core rules in a while. So, let's see how this goes. We've got a five of hearts, an ace of diamonds, a queen of clubs, a seven of spades, and a five of spades. So, in ascending order... Our Ace of Diamonds says, A stranger in unusual robes with a castle symbol on them. Perhaps they have clues about the nature of the Colossal, but these strangers are often unwilling to even be found, let alone spoken to. 
You've heard tale of them before. Maybe they're cultists? People don't talk about them kindly. Strangers with strange practices, but they definitely know something. If you fight them, create a human opponent. And they are armed, because this is a diamond. Our Red Five says, A dead body of another human. Who are they? What are they wearing? Either draw a card from the item table to see if they have something on them, or draw a card from the event table to see how the situation develops. Okay. Our Five of Spades says, A great strange mechanism that seems to operate something in the Colossal. Pipes, gear wheels, and levers, it seems oversized, but you think you can operate it. If damaged, maybe you need to find something to repair it. Ours is functional, because it is a spade. Our Seven of Spades says, A cave entrance. Darkness beckons beyond. Could it lead to deeper parts of the Colossal itself? And because it's spades, it says flat and easily navigable. That means we found our entrance. Perfect. Then our Queen of Clubs. It doesn't matter what suit it is. It is just a medium rook. Alright, so we have a dead body. An armed stranger. A cave, which is going to be how we end this. A large strange mechanism. And a medium rook. Okay. Oh, and let's go ahead and flip on. I'm going to flip one card and see what's more interesting for the card, if it's an item or an event, just to make this NPC encounter interesting. So I flipped a jack, which for item says weapon, and for event says you are surrounded. Ooh, that's tempting, because we are going to be approaching the plateau, which we did approach before, say there was a sort of activated alarm defense network of rooks half buried in the sands around here. Maybe they're on higher alert since we were here last or because of something else. Yeah, we're going to go with we are surrounded. But again, we don't have to make this into a combat. I think maybe that's how we flee into the caves. So yeah, let's string this all together. I think we have our dead body which I think is going to be at this strange mechanism. And maybe it also has to do with this weird armed stranger. And at first I was tempted to make that Yalaris, but I don't think that's going to be the case. We're going to probably find him inside. So let's go ahead and flip three cards for our NPC and see if we can make it interesting or if that seems to lean them one way towards hostile or friendly. We get a 2, a 10, and a 6. Which, doing our little shuffle here, is going to introduce us to Quen, a rugged, fiery, and passionate person in castle robes. All right, I got this. I got this. This is easy. Easy. So, as our party flies towards the plateau, we know where we're going. We can use Marco's memory, the maps that we've made, Null's ability to navigate these areas with old strange rook languages and rookstone magic, all these things. As we approach, we know that there's going to be a defense system. Now, I think, ooh, maybe to make this more fun for the very finale, we can't fit the astrolithic rook into these caves, so we're going to need to park it. So we find a place to park it, what we think is safely, somewhat far away from the plateau itself and do the rest on foot. We are approaching and we are ready for whatever this activated defense system is that we encountered previously. However, 
we're just so lucky that when we approach, we don't find an activated rook coming out from the sand. We find our great strange mechanism, which seems functional. What does it operate? You know what? I think it operates the door to these caves. It's part of an old machinery. This isn't a natural cave system. This is going to be guarded. It's going to probably be some kind of strange mechanism lock. And it's functional because we have a key. You need a key to access it. So in our exploration of it, unfortunately, we find that people have been here before, and that is the body. So we find a body, and as we are making our way, looking through it, we're not the only people who are interested in this place. And the person in the castle robes appears almost instantly. It's almost like magic or something. There's no way we could have heard them. Sneaks up on everybody. And they just say in a very passionate voice, I don't know who you think you are, but you won't find what you're looking for here. Alice turns, her arm raised, uh, the harpoon just kind of emerging from wherever it is attached on her shoulder blade. Berger puts their two icy, rumbly fists up. Null just kind of cocks their head quizzically. And Marco turns around with a smirk and says, Actually, I think this is exactly what we're looking for. And Quen, this strange person in these robes, pulls back the hood of their robe and looks at Marco. And I think that... Let's flip a card. Is this one of the cultists that we met up on the rafters? Recognizing Marco. It is a nine of clubs, which I think, yep, is just a flat yes. So if it was a 10, it would have been yes with a bonus. But Quen is one of the cultists who saw Marco and Alice and Berger on the rafters, followed them to the battlements beyond, and has since left the island that we dropped them off on to come back here for answers. And Quen just smiles and says, I knew you were special. And I think we're going to leave it there. And the reason that they could arrive so quietly is because they have a gargoyle outside. And Quen says, I'll buy you time. And he looks out the window, and that's when we realize, oh no, we are surrounded. Despite not triggering one of these rooks from a defense system standpoint, we are in this strange mechanism, and they definitely have this under guards. So we see that they're starting to come out from wherever it is they are. They are going to start surrounding us soon. Quen says, I'll buy you time, hops on their gargoyle, and flies off. Marco sticks the key into whatever control mechanism there is and turns it, hoping something is going to happen. And sure enough, on the plateau, a little ways away, a bunch of dust begins just billowing out and kind of shaking. There's rubble that goes down the side of the plateau, and an opening reveals itself to our party. Now, unfortunately, it stops, right? It kind of, it's, it would, it would have been large enough for the Astrolithic Rook, but because this thing is so old, and this probably isn't how the smugglers got in there, it starts opening and it stops about halfway through, just kind of sticks. And Marco Berger and Alice look at one another, null as well. I think Alice says, we're going to have to make a run for it. Oh, this is my favorite part. And our four protagonists make a run for it. Now, we do have this medium rook that we could fight, 
I'm going to say that, let's flip one more card. Does Quen drive, pull it away? Ooh, a queen of diamonds. So no, but there is an upside. So I think that it, we're not going to fight it, but we're going to get inside and have to close the door behind us. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So we've traveled across the crackways into the Canyonlands once again and arrived where there is a cave accessible through Marco's familial key into this plateau and smuggling operation. Let's stop him. I'm not going to flip cards like it's an exploration phase in this production facility. Obviously, our protagonists are exploring, but I think we know what we're going to find. Within this plateau are hallways carved, hewn within the stone. I think that, in my mind, they're almost perfectly cut. These aren't rough-hewn hallways leading out to natural caverns. These are precise, perfectly square hallways, or maybe arched, because technically that's better for stability and things like that. But it's engineered to an unheard-of degree in the Roomlands, where most things have to be cobbled together with rook pieces. Obviously, engineering is a big part of creating arms and mounted and all of these things, but this is different. They stealth along as much as they can, but obviously, a place like this is going to be very well guarded. So, yes, we're going to get in a fight, but I think that, for the sake of the best fiction, we see them making their way through, and they do emerge into what is undoubtedly a rook production facility, a factory for massive rooks. But from what we understand, what we learned back in Rust Gorge about this smuggling operation is that they're creating rooklings. So I think that they haven't figured out the machinery. Again, we discussed how this doesn't really follow the rules of modern rooksmithing. So maybe at best all they can do is somehow create rooklings. I'm going to flip three cards, consulting the story generator oracle, to see if maybe it has any good ideas about what we're going to be doing here in this facility. We have a three of diamonds, a four of clubs, and a six of spades. So consulting the oracle, we would have destroy a massive rook husk, and the twist is key item found. Yeah, this is freakishly good, these oracles. It's nuts. Okay, so, they're creating rooklings. They've somehow managed to get a massive rook husk working, and it is creating rooklings. In the lore somewhere, I can't remember, but rooklings are found kind of like in the engine rooms of large rooks, and they're created, they basically are created within these rooks, and they work within them. So sometimes when they're defeated, that's when you find these little rooklings. So I think that similar to all of the massive rooks that are stuck in the crackways, that are leaving writing on these monoliths and information from 
who knows how long ago that these bastions are just starting to decipher and figure out these humans in the canyonlands, these smugglers, are basically abusing an ancient massive rook and just pumping out rooklings from it. And the way we're going to stop them is destroy the means of their production, cut them off from their awful practices, and lock this room away again until we learn about how to do it responsibly or correctly, respectfully, however you want to phrase it. Get these people out of here. Destroy the means of production. And then in the end, the twist will be key item found, which I think will probably just be another key. So, that sounds to me like we're going to have a big old fight here. Now, most of the time when you create human opponents, you're just making one combat score people. And I could throw myself up against a bunch of them and make that interesting. But I think another really interesting way to make this kind of feel like a boss battle is to say that the leader of the smuggling operation not only figured out how to create these rooklings from this massive husk, but they've created something like either a rooknot or a within for themselves. And that is part of the reason that they've been left alone for so long. We don't have our astrolithic rook with us. If we're lucky, we'll have Yelaris helping us as well. But we're going to be Marco, Berger, Alice, Null, which I didn't really give any class stuff, so I don't think Null's going to help too much. He's basically C3POing. And maybe Yelaris. So maybe I think we're going to keep it to our... We're going to have our old four combat score against a... You know what? Because we didn't get to fight the Rooknot, I'm going to kind of build it like a Rooknot. A bunch of these smugglers hop into a mech-style created Rook. And we're going to create this enemy. And we're going to go to fight this Rooknot. Oh boy. So, once again, creating a Rooknot, we're going to flip five cards. I'm going to flip those five cards right away here. We have our head, arm, core, arm, legs, slash motion. Then we're going to build the rook knot like we would build any other rook. First thing we're going to do is flip for our magic type, if any. We flip a card, it is a heart, which means that it is rumble magic. Makes tons of sense out here in the Canyonlands. Actually, this is where Berger learned to use rumble magic, and Marco found the rumble helm on the bandits, so makes sense. We're in Canyonlands, you're not going to have ice. We have I don't think we had electric once this whole campaign. Anyway, next we're going to pick its body type, attack or defense. It is a low card, which means it is attack. That makes sense. This thing's going out and uh, putting down its enemies for these smugglers. We're going to flip a card for its weapon type, either ranged or melee. It is just high enough to be a melee combatant, so it's going to get in and it's going to hit hard. And then lastly, what would our reward be for defeating it? In addition to, obviously, the key item from the story oracle. It is an eight of diamonds, which means it is a weapon. Okay, so we'll get a weapon out of this. Let's not even fool around and say that 
anything happens where we have to get caught or we trip an alarm or anything like that. I think that they sent people out to surround us when we were outside. We ran into this door that we opened in the side of the plateau and we've been sneaking around. We got out to the production facility. It was too easy. It was too easy. And they were waiting for us. And as our crew is attempting to sneak around this production facility and see what they can find, obviously there's so much more activity here. It is not abandoned like the one in the Tundroom was. There's information here. It's just waiting to be grabbed. And that's when the hair on the back of all of our protagonists' necks, except Null, who still gets some kind of strange rumble. They feel it. And stepping out onto the production facility floor is an enormous rook. Except it's not a rook. You can see the smugglers in each station. One at the helm, one in the body, two on either arm, and one operating the legs. And because we are in the desert and canyonlands, what does this rook not look like? A scorpion. The helm is not the head, it is the stinger. Both arms, huge pincers. The body segmented along the back, and then the motion, eight arachnid legs. That's a cool boss battle. <laughs> Alright, well, let's see how we do against it. I'm going to say that right off the bat, the stinger lunges towards one of the crew. It's gotta be Marco. He's the leader, right? And it just shoots forward. I'm gonna flip the card at the helm and flip, oh, you know what? Let's flip our cards for our combat. And you know what? I might give ourselves a fifth for Null. Let's let Null prove themselves, right? So we're gonna have our five cards. Here goes. Three for Marco and Berger. It is a seven of clubs, an ace of clubs. A queen of diamonds, then we have Alice, an ace of diamonds, and we have Null, a four of hearts. This is bad. Uh-oh. Our two highest cards are a queen and a seven. This is not looking good. So, lunging out from the helm, shooting forward towards Marco, flipping the helm card, we have a four of spades. Okay. So, it's lunging towards Marco. We do have a... We have two clubs and a diamond for Marco and Berger. So we do have a creative attack, but I think I'm going to save that queen and use our seven of clubs as this thing lunges towards Marco at defending himself in his travels. And he's going to pull out his staff, which we said is topped with something incredibly hard. And as this mechanical rook-like scorpion tail stings out at him he steps to the side swings it like a baseball bat and cracks into this thing and it does kind of crack and we see a release of some kind of like rookstone energy or something like that and it kind of starts rumbling uncontrollably Ooh. all right well we've made one wound one progress towards defeating this rook knot following up on this, I think that it's going to begin to kind of stumble back in mobility, and I think I'm going to use Burger and attempt to use a combination of ice and rumble magic. That's going to be our creative attack. We're going to use our queen. We're going to push the advantage here. We're going to use rumble magic from Marco's helm and ice magic from 
burger, and we're going to attempt to disrupt this thing's ability to move around the battlefield. So we have a Queen of Hearts. The only one card can beat this, and one will clash. Let's see what its mobility is. A Six of Hearts, which for them would be a magic attack. So it is Rumble, and it attempts to counteract the magic, but because ours is a creative magic attack with two different magic types, we manage to mire it and kind of freeze up its many, many legs, and it just kind of cracks in certain points, and, and now this thing is struggling to move at all. Oh my goodness, we've made two very good progresses. However, unfortunately, we do have two aces, so this is pretty much two guaranteed losses here. It's going to obviously retaliate, and I think that's going to be a pincer attempting to grab either Marco or Burger. So let's go ahead and flip one of those. I'm just going to flip the left one. Oh my god, it is a three of spades. So that would be an unarmed attack. Makes sense, right? This is a pincer, and it's going to grab one of them. I'm going to use... Null's Four of Hearts, the heart being a magic attack. Because Null was found in the room with the ocean, I don't think we ever flipped to see what type of magic he had, so let's flip it. Maybe we'll get our first electric. And sure enough, couldn't write it better. Three of Clubs, we have an electric magic attack from Null. Ooh, I haven't even thought about what those would look like. But as the pincer attempts to grab Marco for trespassing and being so bold as to think that they could come in here and stop this incredible operation, Null steps forward and discharging from all over the mechanical pieces of its body. We said Null is kind of delicate, maybe more maneuverable than even most of the bastions and rooks that you see. They're kind of incredibly well articulated and as all of these gears begin kind of whirring with the movement that Null is doing, it discharges an electric attack that kind of short circuits the pincer. So it gets near Marco, but they can't close it. Now, technically, that is three successes against a rook knot that we built as a massive rook. So that's technically a score of five. We have two aces. We have disabled one of the pincers. We have created instability in the helm and head section and we've basically made it so it can't move. I think that at this point, wow, this was a very quick battle, but I think that at this point, multiple of the smugglers are going to get up and flee. The leader, however, is going to jump down and attempt to stop us. I'm gonna flip a card from the Oracle and see whether or not Yolaris is here and will intervene. Oh no, I flipped a four of diamonds, which means no, and it's worse, they have Yolaris captive. Oh no. But this technically is a new combat, so I'm going to flip one card for just the smuggler leader, and I'm going to flip a new set for us, because we are no longer fighting this Rooknot, so we have a nine of diamonds, a seven of hearts, an eight of clubs, a jack of clubs, and a five of clubs, not great cards. And we flip for the smuggler and he has a 10 of diamonds. Diamond would be a creative attack, which he would of course have here. I think he uses some form of manipulating the production facility to like crash down on us or something. But we have one card that would beat that. And technically it was Alice's Jack of Clubs. 
which is a weapon attack. I think that as he goes to pull a lever or do something that's going to create this problem from afar, not expecting any of us to close the distance, just shoots that heavy ball on her launching arm and it just hits him square in the chest. He flies 15 feet back, landing on his back, heaving, wind knocked out of him as the rest of the smugglers begin breaking for it. They're just running. And Marco, Berger, and Alice have actually handily defeated this smuggling ring. In the aftermath of this combat, as they've tied up the leader of the smugglers, the rest have fled into the deserts beyond to who knows where. I think we're going to consult the oracles and just ask a few questions. First, do we find Yolaris? Flipped a nine of clubs. That is a flat yes. So yes, we find Yolaris. He is tied up. He is in some kind of holding cell here, having been found to be a spy within their ranks. But luckily for him, we show up. And when he sees Marco, Berger, and Alice, his jaw drops. He goes, no way, you kids? You gotta be kidding me. For last I heard, you got flown up in the sky or something. They were talking about it all over the place here. I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear any of it. As they untie him, he thanks them, though, and says, yeah, all right, thank you. Oh, boy, when we get back to Rust Gorge, I'm never going to hear the end of this one. And I think that Alice spends time with him just gloating and, you know, basically enjoying a little adventurer-to-adventurer talk. Marco technically is as seasoned of an adventurer as you get at this point, hunter, etc., but I don't think he'll ever see himself that way. Next, I think we need to see what we find in this facility. What answers are there? Marco, Berger, and Null. Alice as well, but she's still mostly gloating. Walk around the production facility. The smugglers have turned it into something that it never really was. But maybe there's still information here about how it used to function. Why? Any of the answers they're looking for. Stashed away somewhere in an office. Let's ask, do they find any historical records or context or anything like that? I flipped a 10 of spades, so, oh, yes, with a bonus. I think that, oh, you know what? We talked about how in the Tunge Room facility, somebody was murdered, research was stolen, information was taken away. Maybe that happened before this facility shut down. And there happens to be some sort of internal memo documentation about what to do to safeguard the information. It's not like a burn all... It's not like a burn order, but it's kind of like a contingency. And actually, maybe... Ooh, I'm going to ask another question. 
is the coded language that they wrote all of this in? Is it the Rook language that we've been seeing? Let's flip. Oh, it's a five of hearts. So that is no, it is not the coded language of the Rooks. So I think that at some point in the past, whoever was operating these facilities knew that trouble was coming. And what they did was maybe they compromised the facilities themselves, made it so they won't work unless somebody who really understands it all can come back and do this. Hmm. Well, technically, we got nothing but time now. Let's just keep asking questions of the Oracle. Is this something that Null and the Bastions could figure out because it has to do with Rook creation and the core existence of Rooks in general? We have a two of spades, so it's a yes, but with a complication. Ooh, that makes sense. I think that the complication is that Bastions aren't going to be trusted anytime soon to be anywhere near here, so it's going to take some work to get them introduced into society and in any form of trusted role whatsoever, which is a bummer, but there's potential. One last question for the Oracle. When Marco, Berger, Alice, and Null continue to use the Astrolithic Rook to travel to these other, most likely production facilities. Do they ever find any information about why the Rooks were created in the first place? That is a nine of hearts. That is a flat no. This is just the way of the world. All right, one more, actually. If the Bastions can make progress on figuring out how these facilities do work, does this information, does everything Marco, Berger, Alice, and Null, and everyone they've met along the way, does the work that they've done change how people in the Roomlands live? Do these facilities allow people of the Roomlands, to create what they need and usher in a new era of technology within rooksmithing and things like that. That is a five of spades, a flat yes. I'm calling it there. Let's go to an epilogue. After months away from home, Marcos finally found the answers that he left to find. We see a montage of him returning to Rust Gorge. The hull of the rook that they defeated on top of that plateau with the reservoir is being repurposed into some form of like windmill that is powering portions of the city. We see Drea, the older cartographer leader of the Hunter's Guild there. They share a hug. Alice is showing off and telling stories about everything that they've done. Marco is introducing Null to anybody who would like to meet a living, talking rook. And Berger is a mini-celebrity. Everyone loves Berger. 
I think he probably gets an upgrade and can wield all three types of magic. And it's just a rookling that you can't not love. Actually, with the Astrolithic Rook, Marco and Drea have even more to talk about as far as mapping, but that comes later. Next, we see the crew in the very first crackways they ever traversed. This time with Null, the bastions that are there put down their spears and it takes some time to break that barrier to communication that we saw in the beginning with Null, but Null manages to explain to them what it's like out there and what other communities of bastions are doing. Through the crackways, emerging on the other side, rolling green fields of farms and forest. Marco and Berger are home. Alice and Null are with them, and Marco's parents are overjoyed to see him. They run forward and embrace him in their arms. With Berger coming up and hugging around the knees, Marco's mom teases him about bringing a girl home, and Marco's dad teases him about bringing home a bastion. But in the end, they're a family. Marco tells his parents about the map, the glyphs, the key, everything. They're incredibly proud of him. And tell them that they themselves went on journeys in their youths, but once they met each other, it was more important to settle down. And Marco smiles, understands, but says, This is just one map. This is just five rooms. This isn't the whole Colossal. His parents understand too. He doesn't leave right away, but... The continued adventures of Marco and Berger, and Alice and Null. Well, those happen off-screen. I hope you've all enjoyed my solo series of Colossal by Nick Angel. Damn. The series was awesome. I'm really glad. I'm really glad I did this. Hmm. Well, if you like what we do, please like us on all the social medias at DMs After Dark. Reach out to us. Let's talk about RPGs. If you want to do so directly, email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. We love hearing about anything from games you're running questions about games, game mastering, anything. Please join us bi-weekly on Fridays on our Twitch when we're streaming RuneQuest. We have, we have a blast in Twitch chat every week, so we really hope that you find time to come hang out sometime. Obviously, we know Fridays aren't easy for everyone, so the following Monday, you can find us on YouTube. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that it is on the podcast feed. And obviously, Twitch VODs are there. I'm not really sure how those work. But, um, yeah. Not sorry. Thank you. And until next time. Go out there and find yourself. Have a great night.